The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. What I see is unbelievable dedication from our staff around the world. People that are putting their life on the line, but yet they do it out of one simple passion. It's their calling to proclaim the good news, to fulfill the Great Commission. He's one of those people passionate about fulfilling the Great Commission. Ed Cannon of the Far East Broadcasting Company is our guest now on First Person. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. FEBC is so helpful in bringing these interviews to you each week that once in a while we like to tell some of the stories that come directly from the front lines of this ministry. So stay tuned as Ed gives a first-hand report. Now, if you can't stay with us for the next several minutes, remind yourself to download this interview as a podcast to your smartphone using our First Person Interview app. It's available free in your app store. Or go to firstpersoninterview.com where you can stream this conversation. You'll also find a schedule of upcoming guests on the website firstpersoninterview.com. Ed Cannon is the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company, and he's constantly on the go to many different, diverse countries where FEBC is actively proclaiming the gospel using radio and new media forms. I love to talk with Ed after he's just returned from one of his trips, and we caught up with him recently when he returned home from ministry in South Korea. I asked him to give us a report. The staff there have been praying for the unification of the peninsula. Mm-hmm. So it have been for years. Have been for years, ever since the Korean War ended, yes. essentially. The Korean War is actually still going on. It is simply a minor ceasefire. Mm. We've just declared a ceasefire, but the official war is still going on. So the Koreans in the South, uh, where FEBC has its radio presence, have been praying for the country to unify. Now, of course, there's reasons beyond the gospel, but it is our staff's primary goal uh, to bring the gospel back into North Korea. So by reunifying the nation, it will open up the religious liberties, and FEBC will be able to start radio stations there and take the gospel in. Is it true that plans have been laid and have been in place for years for how to move ahead when unification, when and if it happens? Well, yeah, you mean for FEBC. We've got a book, which is the plan. We've got five cities picked out. We have the frequencies already determined. We have the applications in, assuming that the South Korean uh, equivalent of the Federal Communications Commission would take over. They would put radio stations in these five cities which covers the bulk of North Korea with an FM signal, and that's our plan. Yeah. I know that you recently met with some uh, refugees from North Korea. What was that like, and what did they tell you? Well, it's in the Seoul area, and those people who escape out of North Korea feel the most comfortable when they're around other North Koreans. Uh, You know, it's kind of like coming from a real third-world country into a civilized first-world country, And you like to be around people that understand your background. So these North Koreans gather in one particular church, and we had the opportunity to go there and and speak to those who had a little bit of English. Uh, They performed. They had a small choir. uh, They performed during the service. And I did notice that as they sing these hymns of faith, many of them have tears streaming down their cheeks, thinking about the difficult circumstances that they have just escaped from, and yet their families are still in. How do they escape? Well, there's many different stories. The one person we talked to escaped in a coal barge. 
She sort of buried herself under some coal in the barge and prayed that she'd stay alive until the boat got across uh, the river. Did into, they go into China? She had gone into, into China and then escaped around through some friends in China to get to Seoul. Uh, all sorts of different stories, crawling through the woods in the middle of the night and hiding during the day and hoping someone doesn't find them. And But anyway, the, the, back to the point, she, the, the refugees have a very common story. They all say, you know, we don't have food, we don't have the comforts of life, we don't have any medical care, but that's not what we hunger for. Well, we, we have radios, and people gather around the radios at night. They hear the gospel. That gives them hope. That gives them faith, and that's what they hunger for. They tell us we, we most importantly want FEBC to continue with your broadcasts, more hours, stronger signals, so that uh, the people in North Korea have something to give them hope. So FEBC's broadcasts emanating from South Korea are penetrating North Korea, and you have this evidence that people are somehow listening, even though they have to do it in secret. That's right. And uh, you know, they can get in trouble for listening. But it, it, once again, that's not their concern. They're not worried about uh, the dangers. They're worried about not having access to the only thing that they really want, and that's uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. How tough was it uh, for them? I mean, give us give us an example. What, what did you hear from them about the persecution? Well, the one man specifically told us the story, and, and oftentimes, Wayne, I hesitate to talk about this because it's a bit graphic, but um, a man who had been in a refugee camp, a work camp, his circumstances were, you know, we had to work 12 hours. You'd work 12 hours, and then you had 12 hours to sleep. Uh, we didn't really have comfortable f- facilities. We didn't have a shower, uh, but you'd eat and sleep in the 12 hours you're off, And he said, I had great hope because I uh, was one of the fortunate ones that had a small copy of the New Testament. I had this New Testament in my pocket, and I was caught with the New Testament, which is, of course, prohibited. And to make an example of me in front of the other people and make sure other people didn't do what I did, they pulled my front teeth out. Oh, goodness. But as the man is telling the story and smiling, missing his front teeth, He said, but in all the chaos of them doing this to me, they forgot to take my Bible. So I don't have my teeth, but praise God, I have my Bible. And he's giving a big smile as he tells his story, which really brings a succinct point home, Wayne. This is how people in these sorts of circumstances value the Word of God. It is everything to them. It's more important than food. It's more important than a comfortable bed. It's more important than your own front teeth. And when they don't have a written copy, which is prohibited, they have the radio, which somehow, I mean, it still is a mystery to me. How how can they hide a radio? Well, you know, I, I don't know, of course. I'd be stretching the truth if I told you how they hide the radio. But what we do here is that they listen in groups, often under a blanket at night. So they say we huddle together, cover our heads with a blanket, put the radio in the middle, and at 1 o'clock in the morning when the signal comes in the strongest, we sit there and listen. Mm. And the radios come in from the south? Well, yeah. We have uh, some of our staff continue to float the radios in on hot air balloons. And um, when the weather conditions are just right, they'll assemble 100 radios or so, attach them to weather balloons, pray for them that they will land in a place where they can get into the hands of a of a potential follower of Jesus Christ who's open to the gospel when they get the radio they hear. And so uh, 
yeah, we've been doing that for years and years and years. There are other people that have tried smuggling radios in in an underground system, and we have provided some radios for those uh, brave souls who, who want to do that. But, yes, people in the North do have radios. Hmm. Well, while all the discussions go on about North Korea and summits and, and all the political uh, winds that are blowing these days, our concern is that the gospel have a free uh, voice in North Korea Right now, it's prohibited, but uh, it's getting through, and that's really a remarkable thing. But there are plans uh, to do even more, aren't there? Right. What we heard from the refugees is that you've only got a signal coming in two hours during the daytime, two hours at night. Why isn't that jammed, by the way, by the North Koreans? Well, they could jam it, but I think they're spending their money on things like military uh, forces and, and missiles and weapons as opposed to spending their money to block a signal, which they don't think is making much difference anyway. Okay. Their efforts are to take radios and Bibles away from people, make them work so hard that they don't have time to read the Word of God. And so I think it's just off the radar screen. They certainly could try and block it. It would be very expensive. It would be difficult. And I think the North Korean government probably feels yeah. like they don't need to Well, do we're glad that God keeps that open door uh, for the right. gospel we heard through radio. But the radio is rather limited, but there isn't a solution that's pending, right? So we realize by listening to what the refugees have said and realizing that the circumstance in North Korea continues to worsen for the believers and future believers so that we've decided uh, within FEBC, the FEBC Korea team has, has laid plans to build a very large AM station on the west coast of South Korea, which will go across uh, the bay there and in across the ocean into North Korea and will provide them 24 hours a day a very strong AM signal, which will be accessible to all people in North Korea and even into the uh, regions of China just across the border. Just to have the land available on this island uh, so strategically located to to be able to pump that signal into North Korea is a miracle in itself. Well, that's right. We have a very good uh, partner, a friend of FEBC who, who actually operates a golf course, and he donated a significant piece of tidal land at the edge of his golf course to allow us to build this radio station. And it's ideally suited It's ideally to beam suited. into North Korea. That's right. It couldn't possibly have been a better location to get a strong signal. Um, and those of you out there who are radio types understand that if – uh, if you've got a signal that goes across water, it strengthens and and it's on uh, very salty land, which gives good conductivity. And so the Lord provided just the right piece of land for us to build this station for the sole purpose of getting the gospel strongly into the most needy, the most dark country in the world, North Korea. So is that station being built now? Is the money all raised for that? We're in the process of raising the money for that project right now, and it's our hopes that early in 2019 we'll have this station up and operating so that the people in North Korea have the opportunity to listen. And its specific purpose is to reach into North Korea. That's right. That's what it's entirely focused on. And we have a number of stations in South Korea. We have great content in the Korean language. We will have people who have actually escaped out of the refugee camps of the North providing broadcasts into their own people uh, so they understand the circumstances. Right, that's very important, yeah. It is, and it's uh, one of the most important strategies FEBC has implemented over the years is to have national to national, local to local, close to the listener. So when you're listening to a voice on the radio, 
it's not a distant person who doesn't understand your culture or where you live. It's somebody who has lived among you, knows what your struggles are, and therefore can most effectively communicate the gospel. We'll continue this conversation with Ed Cannon of the Far East Broadcasting Company coming up on First Person. I decided to escape North Korea after listening to FEBC's broadcast. I was able to keep my faith firm by listening to your programs. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. You can sign up for a free online daily devotional from FEBC telling more listener stories while at the same time it encourages you from God's Word. Receive this online devotional without obligation when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Ed Cannon, who's president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. We've been good friends for a number of years and, and appreciate FEBC's support of First Person, Ed, so thank you for that. Well, thank you, Wayne, for what you do, and uh, you're a recognized voice among Christian radio stations all across the United States, and now we're taking you overseas. <laughs> I love to see firsthand what God is doing around uh, around so many countries where FEBC has broadcasts and feel a real kinship to the broadcasters of FEBC. I really, really do. Um I want to talk about the Philippines because there was a significant anniversary recently and you attended, but let's talk just generally about the history of FEBC. Nearly 75 years now. Nearly 75 years. And our founder, uh, John Broger, worked with uh, Bob Bowman. And John Broger had been in the U.S. military. He was a radio specialist at the end of the Second World War, setting up radio communications equipment between the Army and the Navy and the Air Force and in the Pacific. And he saw the power that radio had to defeat an enemy. He saw the power of radio in the war effort. And in his mind, he envisioned that that same power can be used to spread the gospel into the dark places like China. And we see that so clearly now, but it was a a radical thought in that day, wasn't it? It sure was. So he, uh, he started FEBC just after the end of the Second World War, and his... His initial outpost was in Shanghai. He built an FM station in Shanghai. The government was very open to it in those days. And as they were awaiting the delivery of the powerful transmitters that we were going to use, they actually started by broadcasting through a loudspeaker in the Chinese train stations. (laughs) The government were open to it. They had huge groups of people listening to the first time for the gospel in the train stations, even to the point that the local government said, could you please move out into the lot outside the station because you're disrupting traffic with all these people listening to sermons. Well, shortly after that, the communist revolution kicked out all of the missionaries in the country. This was about 1947. And uh, all the missionaries, all the Christians, all the Westerners who were in China doing Christian work were expelled from the country. We didn't know where to go, so FEBC rerouted the delivery of our transmitters to Manila, didn't really know what to do, and ended up deciding, well, let's start a radio station here in Manila. And so in uh, 1948, FEBC went on the air for the first time with a powerful signal on DZAS, which is a station that still operates today, and we just celebrated 
the 70th anniversary of that very first broadcast. And you were there for that celebration? I was. We had a wonderful celebration. We gathered thousands of listeners together. We gathered together all the staff of FEBC, some of the historical staff, the retirees, the missionaries who served many, many years ago in the earliest days of FEBC, and we celebrated that first broadcast. As a matter of fact, to the exact minute of the first broadcast, we gathered together all the current staff of FEBC, many supporters, some local government authorities, and let me just share with you what that was what was like. Okay. Uh, reading from John Broger's book, where he talked about the beginnings of FEBC, he said, back in the very first days, on June 4th, 1948, at 6 p.m., John Broger and the staff of FEBC gathered together around the transmitter, and as they hit the switch for the very first time, the entire staff began singing the great hymn, All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. With tears flowing freely and hearts welling with indescribable joy, the FEBC staff in Manila stood transfixed, American and Filipino together, as the words of this beautiful song rang out clear and strong. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. John Broger went on to say, Ladies and gentlemen, this is the initial broadcast of KZAS, the new Call of the Orient station located in Manila, Philippines. At this very hour of 6 p.m. on June 4, 1948, the Far East Broadcasting Company lays before you the foundation for that which we believe to be the challenge of this generation, the challenge to do a work for God, the challenge to take the gospel into every tribe and tongue and nation. It was known as KZAS, later DZAS, and the station is on the air today and has a tremendous ministry. But you stood in 2018 on the very spot with others. At that, the very for that, hour. For that dedication, where that dedication took place. Yeah, at the very hour where we had that first. Amazing. And once again, Wayne reenacted that same scene where the staff began to sing that wonderful song. And just like 70 years prior... When I looked out across the group of FEBC staff, tears flowing as we welled up with indescribable joy. What a wonderful thing to experience. But it's not about the past. It's the present, what the Lord is doing now through uh, DZAS. That's right. We have a wonderful following there, a number of FM radio stations all across the Philippines, broadcasting not only in English but in Tagalog, the native language, a huge following, and... Wayne, it's not just radio. They were showing me as we were broadcasting that day live from the scene that many people are following FEBC's broadcast via audio-visual feeds on Facebook, on social media apps, through YouTube, and through cell phone apps and watching on the Internet. So as FEBC has stayed true to their mission, we are here to take the gospel to the people of the Philippines We have evolved in the way we use that. It's not just shortwave radio. It's internet, it's cell phone, it's social media. It's any way we can get the gospel out. 
Well, this was not your first trip to the Philippines. You and I were there together at one time in Manila to see firsthand the ministry of DZAS and FEBC. But you came back from this trip with a different appreciation, a new appreciation, didn't you? I came back, Wayne, with the understanding of how deeply FEBC has penetrated into the daily life of that culture. We were riding the very first trip from the airport into the studio in a taxi cab, randomly selected, and I asked the man there in the taxi cab, he was listening to a sort of a rock and roll music station, I said to him, do you know uh, the station DZAS? And as he turned to look in the back seat, his response to me was, oh, you mean FEBC radio? (laughs) He knew. He had a push button on his radio, and he instantly hit that 702 AM, and I heard a very familiar voice, Charles Morris, on the radio, (laughs) which is doing a broadcast for FEBC and has been on the air for many, many years. That's remarkable. So we've talked about uh, the Koreas. We've talked about the Philippines. Those are just two of nearly 50 countries where FEBC has stations and is reaching with local language broadcasts, which is a, a very important aspect of what we do. Yeah, that's all. Everything we do is native language with indigenous staff in country, connected to the local church, part of the local Christian community, and we do what we do best. That is, take the gospel through media into the hearts, the minds, and the homes of the people that we know and love, and we speak their language. I remember you telling me that that first broadcast from Shanghai as it went out, that they really didn't know if anyone was listening, and it took many years to hear uh, from any listeners at all. But now, how many listeners respond to FEBC? Well, last year alone, we had 2.6 million formal communications from people, letters or emails, sharing the experience that they've had by listening to our broadcasts. But you're right. When we first started broadcasting into China, we didn't have any idea if anyone was listening. So we had, uh, absent the FM station, which the Chinese government prohibited us Mm -hmm. to ever start, our broadcasts into China were by shortwave. They still are today. But for the first 13 years of broadcasting into China, we had no idea if people were actually listening. And it's our founders who by faith alone continued to broadcast. They believed that God had given them the idea, and their broadcasts for 13 years were finally rewarded by one letter from one listener that said, I just want you to know many people are listening to your broadcasts. A word aptly spoken in season, right? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. How do we pray for FEBC in the days ahead? Well, you know, we have staff on the ground in many countries. Many of the countries where we're broadcasting, what we're doing is actually prohibited. The governments don't want people to hear the gospel. They don't want them to become Christian. And so I would ask that we all pray together for our staff, for their protection for their understanding of how best to communicate the gospel so that people living in these countries hear it for the first time and can understand and comprehend so that they too can become followers of Jesus Christ. Our guest has been Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. Let's join Ed in prayer for the FEBC staff as he's requested as they work tirelessly to fulfill the mandate of the Great Commission. Much more about FEBC and the stories we hear from listeners in nearly 50 countries of the world, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. There you'll see a banner which you can click on to take you to FEBC. At the website, you can hear a sample of the daily broadcast called FEBC Today, which Ed and I host on many radio stations. 
You can also sign up to receive a free daily online devotional, which combines scripture and prayers with listener stories from many lands. Sign up for the devotional at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to join us again for First Person. First Person.